0: there you are listening to iwg radio the place to be for all of your wellness needs we just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions the lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I am here with Dr. Nick. Hey, hey,
1: hey.
0: And we are talking about the reason why you cannot kick your addiction or even your vice. Um, I think that this is, you know, a really hot topic right now. Unfortunately, we are dealing with so many issues when it comes, especially to uh, drug addictions. And, you know, there's a lot of impacting factors to that. But our focus here today is really to understand a little bit more about some of the things that can be happening in the brain that are making it extremely, extremely difficult for us to, you know, kick the habit or to get away from the gambling, get away from the drugs, get away from the cigarettes or even the drinking. Um, And that primary focus in the brain comes to dopamine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And dopamine is a neurotransmitter. Uh, neurotransmitters are chemicals that are made by the brain. And all of these neurotransmitters do different things. But specifically, when it comes to dopamine, it is classified as our pleasure system. So when we have you know, our specific vice, if that is, say, smoking cigarettes, and we run out, and we run out, and then well, you on- you don't want
1: to be around those people.
0: <laughs> well, you run out, and then maybe in addition, you get a stressful phone call. You might shift into, very rapidly shift into feeling very angry, and maybe throw something even. And that's primarily because you you are already low in dopamine, and your cigarette, when you light it up, or that glass of wine that you pour- or whatever the case may be, is going to then give you a very temporary boost of this dopamine. And when you're not getting that boost, because you're already deficient and you have a stressful thing that happens, it's gonna shift you very rapidly into a very erratic behavior.
1: And it's like it's it's easy to see that, you know, one thing that quote unquote was a vice and that you enjoyed ends up Really becoming a vice that you're dependent on it to function, mm-hmm. and you're using it like a medication. Honestly, being dependent on it, and without it, your body and your brain's not functioning well. Then, then you know there's it's time.
0: Well, and I think that that was that's so significant that you say that because. I think all of us are guilty of it at some point that, you know, we have phrases, oh, I eat my feelings or, you know, I have to go home and, you know, I, I pour my glass of wine. It's just my my ritual or it's just like how I end my day or, oh, I tried to quit smoking, but, you know, something really stressful happened. So I went back to it
1: or you quit smoking, but you just changed to something else. You know, it's just like it replaced with alcohol or replaced with sex or replaced with food like you know mm-hmm. it's just whatever fix that
0: yeah well we, we uh, that's huge we we usually will transition and you know we kind of give up a lot of people say give up alcohol and then they replace it with food right and they end up you know overindulging in a lot of sugar sweets I can't, chocolate I can't stop
1: smoking I'm gonna gain all this weight
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's the funny thing is, is as much as we want to think that the smoking is really great for our metabolism, it's not really how it works. But um, but we find ourselves like transitioning from, you know, one thing that we consider to be bad to something else that we classify as being better. But it's still something that we are using to boost those dopamine levels because we've never actually fixed them in the first place. Right. So I think it's important to establish outside of feeling that you might have one of those vices, if it is, you know, smoking, if it is some type of drug, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a pharmaceutical downer, upper, or even, you know, something as significant as heroin. But, you know, those are all falling in the same category, gambling the same. They're all different avenues of seeking pleasure to give us a very short term dopamine fix. But there are other things that we might be uh, experiencing when we also have a low amount of dopamine.
1: It's like a lack of drive, you know, if if we don't have, you know, that urge to be able to, you know, start something or if we do, we can't finish it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that has, you know, the connection with dopamine as well.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a lack of motivation. And I think this is the really important thing to decipher between people that are dealing with serotonin deficiencies, which they say serotonin deficiencies is the biggest culprit behind depression um, and a dopamine deficiency. Because with serotonin, those are people when you're low in serotonin that you really struggle to find pleasure in anything. Right. You know, even going out with your bestest friend, you're not feeling joy from that. You're not, feeling <laughs> you're not feeling joy from some of the foods that you used to love or, you know, things that you used to love to do. But when you're dealing with a dopamine deficiency, you still will experience joy and, and pleasure, but um, you have a, an extreme lack of motivation. Mm-hmm. And that lack of motivation, you might often find yourself isolating yourself because of that reason. So dopamine and serotonin deficiencies look different in that sense. Is One is going to be, it's very, very difficult to experience any level of pleasure. The other is you can experience pleasure, but your motivation is not always there.
1: And then, I mean, I don't know if you want to go take this curve we can talk about later, but it's like dopamine, besides... Kind of the addictions that has a big part in a lot of you know conditions that I deal with the brain Parkinson's mm-hmm. um, and being uh, I mean the major uh, cause of Parkinson's and the also effect of you know the basal ganglia mm-hmm. um, how Parkinson's is affected by that.
0: Well, and I wanna I wanna stay focused on addiction, but I think that the the biggest point of Parkinson's and talking about Parkinson's is the fact that. If you are someone who is struggling with giving up that specific vice or addiction, that you are potentially setting yourself up, unknowingly, of course, to develop Parkinson's later in your life. Because if your dopamine is so deficient, your part of your brain that creates the dopamine your hippocampus is going to start to degenerate and it will degenerate more and more over time and that will get to the point that you are so deficient in your dopamine that you are starting to manifest the symptoms of parkinsons
1: a lot of times like people with parkinsons like you know besides a lot of the physical symptoms uh the gait and shuffling but then there's the lack of drive, the lack of motivation. So mm-hmm. it's just it's taken from early stages to more severe stages. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 interesting that you honestly start doing very similar things with both patients, both type of people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you know physical, chemical, emotional. It's like looking at those different systems and saying like, you know, looking at dopa and then the precursor L-dopa and looking at like. Vitamin B6 is really important to that. Magnesium is really important to a precursor to mm-hmm. L dopa. So it's like really looking at the whole pathway and you know, not just giving somebody dopamine because that's not gonna work. Um,
0: well, and I think it's important to establish like why. Why does somebody have low dopamine in the first place? And you know, there's there's a lot of different reasons. One thing that I will say though is when you are constantly using let's just use cigarettes as the example and when you're constantly using the cigarette to induce the dopamine, you know, the temporary dopamine high, it's a negative feedback loop. Mm-hmm. So maybe you started smoking to be cool or maybe you started drinking to, you know, be social. The more you do those things, the more artificially you stimulate the dopamine, the more likely that your brain is not going to make the dopamine. So you could easily induce your own dopamine deficiency, which makes you more and more dependent on whatever that item is that you're consuming. But outside of that, there's going to definitely be other reasons for why someone might be dopamine deficient in the first place. One of them is what you just described is, are you getting what your brain needs to make the dopamine? And one of the big ones is there's DOPA, L-DOPA, but the precursor to all of that is phenylalanine. And phenylalanine is an essential amino acid. So what that means is your body doesn't make it. You have to get it from your external environment, so mainly your diet. And phenylalanine is going to be in most animal-based products. So, when you're talking about amino acids as a whole because you'll notice that when we talked about tryptophan in our previous podcast and how that helps with serotonin, we talked about how the keto diet could be really beneficial because you're getting you know meat, you're getting cheese, you're getting um, salmon, you're getting a lot of these animal-based proteins. So the same thing goes for phenylalanine is though phenylalanine is also abundant in the same foods. Mm-hmm. So if you are someone who is now trying to quit smoking, and you are also vegan or vegetarian, you might struggle more than someone who is eating some of those animal-based products. And I'm not advocating for everyone to be keto or for everyone to eat those things, but you need to make sure that you're supplementing with some type of nutraceutical to make sure you are getting the phenylalanine so that you can actually have the ability to make the um, dopamine.
1: I agree and disagree a little bit there. Oh, okay, <laughs> go for it. And it's it's not so much I, I disagree with, you know, you don't have to be, you know, keto, but it's like the, I was talking to a person over the weekend, and I was like, I, I think a major problem we have in society right now is identity issues, and it all comes down to identity yeah. issues. Like, we have people that are, you know, they're very blunt on saying I'm paleo or I'm mm-hmm. keto or you know, you'll go to a restaurant and you'll hear the person. They're really loud. Like, I'm a vegan. And, like, mm-hmm. was this cooked with any meats? Are they friends with meats? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not eating anything. And I understand, like, the whole production of animals being treated. It's really bad. Yes. And that just comes down to understanding that it's quality. And it's not quality on just quality of the meat, but it's quality of, you know, where where's the farm that they're using? What's, mm-hmm. like, the process that these animals are being raised in a mm-hmm. humane, sustainable yeah. way? And the farming, too. Um, but... The, the, the disagreement comes from understanding, like yeah, like, choline, phenylalanine, like, we need these amino acids, but the best way to get it is in its whole form because it's going to be more easily digestible. And, like, taking a vitamin is great, and sometimes, like, you're going to stay being vegan. Like, that's what you have to do to be able to heal the brain. But it's, like, understand that the brain is, you know, mainly fat mm-hmm. and that it's – Human, we're an animal, so it's like if you want to support it, you have to give it animal mm-hmm. fat and proteins and amino's, and that just mm-hmm. comes from animal products. You don't have to eat much of it, and that's yeah. another big problem with the standard American diet is that we overdo literally everything. Everything, I mean, yeah. We overdo smoking, we overdo alcohol, we overdo mm-hmm. eating, because um, we're all dopamine <laughs> deficient. <laughs> See, we're... Nick,
0: this is why we're talking about it.
1: <laughs> and I mean, and it comes back to identity, and and you identify yourself with this one thing, mm-hmm. and. It's also not understanding, like, if if you're not satisfied with where you're at in life, if you keep doing what you did yesterday, you're going to keep getting the same results. So it's like, understand that vegan may have been an amazing diet for you at a certain point to get the results to reach the goals. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we need to do the same thing today in order to get different results tomorrow because Mm -hmm. that's just insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results so I think if we can quote unquote kind of crush the identity of especially with diets and foods and these things and understanding that in different parts of our life Mm -hmm. it's a different chapter we need different foods like Mm -hmm. sometimes we need paleo sometimes we need a carnivore diet
0: yeah, the body is always is always changing, and it, it's going to have different needs. And especially, you know, something even like with the seasonal affective disorder that we talked about in our previous podcast. You know, when you're talking about seasonal affective disorder, and you're talking about one place in the world that has various spans of time that it is dark, that's going to be Alaska. And at that time period, the people that live in Alaska, the natives, they would be consuming tons and tons of animal protein. Very interesting animal protein, but they would be eating whale and things like that because they knew that they needed to get those precursors, those amino acids, to keep their serotonin at a, at a sufficient amount. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know when it comes down to ethics and it comes down to farming. Yes, farming is 100% corrupt, but it doesn't mean that all farming is corrupt. And when when I said phenylalanine is an essential amino acid, meaning our body does not make it, and it primarily comes from animal product, that means that we were intended to eat animal product. And you can get phenylalanine from oats and chocolate, but you can eat oats and chocolate all day long, and you're never gonna get this the amount that you can get from eating a hard boiled egg.
1: And it's not just the amounts; it's how the body's able to use it and transport it. And that's, exactly. That's the part of a different story.
0: Yeah. So when you're talking about you know the egg, you're getting choline, you're getting magnesium, you're getting um, calcium, you're you're getting so many of the other cofactors, which will actually allow your body to Take the phenylalanine, convert it into the dopamine properly, and then allow it to get into the brain, crossing the blood-brain barrier, and actually use it.
1: And keeping it just simple, the protein and fats, like they're, they're friends. They, they really mm-hmm. work and help each other out. And it's like you can have some of the proteins, animal protein or um, plant protein, but you're not really having that friendship with fat to help it go through and mm-hmm. cross and travel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think overall, for for those of you listening that are vegan vegetarian, it's it's not that we're advocating for you know the inhumane things that are happening with farming. It's just understanding that our bodies do need balance, and they do need you know these essential amino acids for our brain health, and we have to be strategic, and we have to seek out quality, and we have to become friends with the farmers, and we have to just kind of do our own homework when it comes down to it
1: and it's i mean i don't didn't want to come across them bashing vegans like there's weeks that we're vegan there's weeks that we're mm-hmm. vegetarian there's weeks that we're paleo i don't think we've actually ever been carnivore um <laughs> <laughs> but there's weeks that were all of these things i mean mm-hmm. you wrote a cookbook that's mainly paleo yeah
0: um
1: so it's like there's it just depends on what you're trying to fix what the goal is mm-hmm. that needs to comes back to what's your diet look like and not like this is the diet I'm going to do. And it's actually not in alignment with the goals you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's always like starting out when I was doing personal training, everything goes by the SEDS principle, specific adaptations to impose demands. So it's like, what demands are you placing on your body physically mm-hmm. to get you to the goal? Like, mm-hmm. is it muscle gain? Is it weight loss? Is it like, do you want to do a marathon? Are you going to do a Spartan race? Mm-hmm. Like those training programs are going to be different. And mm-hmm. depending on what your goals are and what deficiencies you have, your diet's similar, like it has to be that different compared Mm -hmm. to what your goals are.
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think it's listening to your body, you know, really, you know, just paying attention because your body's usually telling you what it needs. Um, You know, I know that there's so many women that go through major stents of being, you know, vegetarian and then they're like, all of a sudden I woke up one day and I just wanted a steak. (laughs) And it's usually because your body needs iron. So being conscious of what your body is telling you is really important. Um, And it's, it's just right now in America, we have so many things, I shouldn't even say in America, it's really everywhere, but we have so many things readily available to us. So you wake up and you have a craving for red meat, and it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to just grab you know some type of fast food burger, which is unfortunately not going to give you the same nutrients if you were to go get a grass-fed, grass-finished steak. So, uh, so we have to also be able to navigate that as well. But when it comes back to the dopamine and, you know, some of the issues with being able to have sufficient amounts, you know, the other big factors that it comes down to is how well is the brain getting oxygen and how well is it getting the nutrients that it needs? And one of the big things that runs the brain is glucose. It's sugar. So often when we are struggling neurologically and maybe we feel super foggy or we feel super fatigued, we find ourselves craving sugar. Unfortunately, when you have sugar attached to fat, the brain can't use it properly, which is chocolate. It's dairy. It's ice cream. So when we kind of take that step back and we give ourselves glucose of quality source like fruit that glucose can actually be utilized by the brain and that's, fuel
1: it. That, and that's really important because a lot of times, you know, you'll go through a consultation and you ask people, like, well, oh, I don't eat sugar. Um, but then they're a carboholic. Like, they are yes. tons of bread, tons of pastries, tons of these things.
0: Which is all attached to fat.
1: Which is all attached to fat. Um, but then, so what is your thought process on, you know, you're having a meal, you have a side of veggies, uh, you have a side of fruit. And you have, you know, a steak.
0: Mm-mm. No.
1: So it sounds like that would be a good meal. Yes. But and why the, is that not the most beneficial pairing?
0: The reason being is because you, it's not even just fat. Uh, you do, when you're trying to, and I'm specifically talking about the brain, when you're trying to get glucose that is readily available for your brain to use in a positive way, you're um, your glucose has to come from a source that there is no fat and no protein attached to it. So if you eat your fruit 20 to 30 minutes before you would have your steak and veggies, that would be fine.
1: So it's just a really good snack. Like fruit should be more of a snack.
0: Yes. It should be a snack and you should not be putting your berries into your yogurt and don't put your banana with your almond butter. It's just eating them separate will actually give you more benefits for the brain. But there's a little bit of a loophole here uh, because You have to, your body has to be able to handle the glucose. So, what I mean by that is that comes down to the pancreas. And if your pancreas doesn't have the ability to regulate the sugar properly, then you going and eating a nice big bowl of fruit with good intention, it might not necessarily benefit you the way that you hoped for. So, some of the like signs and symptoms that your blood sugar is off is hangriness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're getting very irritable if you don't eat um, within a reasonable amount of time. You're waking up in the morning. You're not necessarily hungry. Or you're just skipping breakfast altogether and consuming caffeine as your first thing. Um, you're waiting into the point that you're absolutely starving, which usually leads you to overeat. Uh, what am I missing?
1: Well, I mean, also caffeine d- will disrupt the, the dopamine.
0: Yes. So these are all like key things to think about when it comes to your blood sugar. So if you resonate with those different things, then your blood sugar is probably off, and you might need to consider cutting out all simple carbohydrates and sugars altogether for a short amount of time uh, so that you can get to a point that your blood sugar is more stable. Um, There's a lot of hidden sugar in things that we are consuming. I know for me... I used to be addicted to so when we talk about addictions and dopamine fix, um a mocha latte was my absolute dopamine fix. <laughs> like that's not on people's radar that you're thinking you're thinking the bad stuff. you're thinking cigarettes, alcohol, wine, you know, um bourbon a bourbon. <laughs> it, for me, it was a mocha latte. As soon as my stress got high, I was like, I'm going to Starbucks. I'm going, and I want my mocha latte. And what was interesting about that is, when I started to realize like the calories and the sugar that I was consuming, I was like, you know what? Let me switch. Let me get away from the dairy and get away from the syrups. And I started just getting a regular latte. But what's interesting is I went to Starbucks a lot when I was younger. And I remember when I started to make my own lattes, I would make you know a coconut milk latte. And I realized it, it tasted very different. <laughs> it wasn't sweet at all. And I realized that I thought I was doing a great thing by just literally no added sugar, just getting a coconut milk latte. But depending on where you go and depending on what type of coconut milk it is, it could easily have 30 or 40 grams of sugar in it. Right.
1: So and, and most coconut milk, it's still gonna have about you know ten grams, mm-hmm. not added, just naturally.
0: Exactly. So if
1: there's any added, then you get you're pretty much drinking a pop or a soda.
0: Yeah. So it, it's it's fascinating because the dopamine fix can be anything. It it could be a physical act of like you said, sex. It could be gambling. It could be food. It could be you know alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be so many things. Um, and especially when you're talking about a mocha latte, you're not necessarily thinking that that's a super bad thing. It's like a treat, right. if anything. So when we shift in and we, we start being more conscious, you know, there's so much hidden sugar. And I found that I had to revamp my diet And I just personally, for my body, the ketogenic diet was what helped me. And I did it only for a short amount of time, but it helped me to get my blood sugar more stable because I was more hypoglycemic. I was, like, running really low, and then if I ate, I was spiking and crashing, which was causing me to be fatigued after most meals, and I almost always wanted midday coffee. And that is just so much more stable that my blood sugar is stable.
1: I think it was really important that you said, you know for you keto worked really well everybody's a little differently but mm-hmm. it was for a short period because you used it like a tool to be able to get you back into balance mm-hmm. but it's an imbalanced diet mm-hmm. and i mean really it all, life comes down to just trying to be most as balanced as possible mm-hmm. and a lot of these quote-unquote diets i mean they're a diet it's yeah. not a lifestyle it's a diet so it's like trying to utilize a diet to get you into balance and then just having a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it's like if you stay on a diet, whether it's keto or it's something, it's an imbalanced Mm -hmm. way of eating uh, that can get you into balance short-term. But Mm -hmm. if you do it long-term, it's going to get you back into another imbalance.
0: Well, and it's interesting too because Atkins, you know, you can look at ketogenic and Atkins side-by-side and they're very similar, but Atkins used a lot of artificial sweeteners And, um, when I was young, uh, in high school, I remember getting introduced to Atkins and doing that for an extended amount of time. And I was, I wasn't really doing the artificial sweeteners, but I was just doing a lot of fat, a lot of protein. And I was like, really just didn't touch carbohydrates at all. And, um, I didn't know the difference between good and bad quality at that time. But more importantly is I started to have, um, abnormal bowel movements. And it was primarily because I had zero fiber in my diet. Mm -hmm. And now I, I, uh, I'm a B blood type and like kind of understanding a little bit more about my blood type. I realized that I need Mm -hmm. soluble fiber. I need some level of soluble fiber from beans or, or, um, steel cut oats and just like, well, we all sure. need fiber. Like Well, it's, yeah.
1: It's like the cleaning system for...
0: Exactly. So it was very interesting because I was doing that thinking I was a doing a great thing for myself, but it really came down to, you know, it's about balance, like you've said. So the soluble fiber, you can't just completely leave that out of your diet and think you're going to have a healthy gut because it's just uh, those two things don't go hand in hand with each other.
1: I like it. <laughs> you know I am with balance.
0: <laughs> so... I guess the, uh, the last piece of the puzzle when it comes to, you know, dopamine and one of the reasons why it could be low is obviously it could be head injury. And when it comes to, you know, head injuries, we are, you know, we're acknowledging it more now than ever that there is something that is called post-concussive syndrome and that there is inflammation that is happening long-term after these head injuries and unfortunately, for decades, we were not acknowledging that this was a serious side effect.
1: We're, but we're still really not acknowledging the minor traumas, the CTEs, the chronic traumatic encephalopathies. So it's like we're starting to shed some light on it. But, you know, politics and money is sports makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, especially worldwide, but especially in America. So it's like eh, we're, we're going to say, yeah, there's mm-hmm. it creates damage. But. You know, only the major ones when you're blacked out and only if you had multiple ones of them. And now you know that that's not true at all. And Luckily, there's starting, just media starting to put some more spotlights on mm-hmm. to a lot of athletes. And it's unfortunate, the stories that are being shed, but mm-hmm. it, I thank God they're actually shedding them because the stories are happening and have been all happening for a long period. It's just we haven't allowed it to come to our consciousness. And for CTEs, chronic traumatic encephalopathies, mm-hmm it really creates I, sometimes I almost feel like it's worse, um, because yeah. it's, it's a lot more repetitive. You know, it's just like, you can do that's like, even when it comes to diets, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, these things, like, yeah, you can binge and have a day or two and it's not going to be the end of it. You just go back to your lifestyle. It's, you know, really good quality and pure and balanced. Um, and if you have an accident, usually you're going to take care of it and, you know, do some uh, work to help balance it out. If not, you should be, um, because there will be long-lasting results. But with the, the minor ones, like you fall off a bike and you hit your head and yeah. you're like, ah, that, that kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Shake it off and you just keep going. And then, you know, if you compound that with a poor diet that day or maybe a couple of mm-hmm. alcoholic drinks that day, just to increase the permeability of that blood-brain barrier and more inflammation gets in there. But then it's like if you look at soccer and you look at football, it's mm-hmm. like um, – or football being soccer, depends where you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but if you either. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> American. Um, if you look at these, it's like, you know, you're doing headers with the balls, and every single play, you know, you're getting your head hit. And with that, it's just, you know, repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. And the brain doesn't was not supposed to be hit over and over and over yeah. and it has these micro traumas and it just it creates scar tissue it creates inflammation and from that it disrupts neurotransmitters and the communication pathways and then over time we wonder why we have all these issues and a lot of the symptoms that are coming up is, you know, these huge anger issues and, you know, young kids being suicidal and nobody knows why. And it's like, there's a, there's an actual reason for this. It's not that, you know, the, a person just wants to commit suicide. There's always a cause and effect for these things. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I didn't mean to get down this deep road, but (laughs) it's, 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 it's a big problem. And it, it's it's really worldwide, uh, and there's there's a reason for it, and it's being able to ask the right questions and evaluate the the right systems of the body. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're not evaluating deep enough to say there's a reason, and we're blaming everything on emotions. And
0: well, I think that this is so relevant to what the whole uh, dopamine and addiction because. If you had a head injury that affected your dopamine levels and then because you were injured, maybe you were put on painkillers and then the addiction happened more rapidly, maybe than the average person because of the dopamine insufficiency, then that can spiral you down the road of using harder drugs later. And that sometimes ends up with an overdose. Mm -hmm. So... These chronic brain injuries, um, these minor brain injuries, are something to be taken very, very seriously because the amount of inflammation that is created and the abnormal pathways that are created. I know that, you know, a long time ago when we were learning about the brain and we were really understanding like what does a dopamine deficiency look like what does a serotonin deficiency look like clinically what does an ac- uh, acetylcholine deficiency look like you had every symptom for every single deficiency and you have had 13 concussions let alone
1: lots of CTEs.
0: Exactly, and that was for a variety of reasons, everything from you know sports to sledding and and other things. But you know, for you, there was a huge component of injury and inflammation from injury that caused these deficiencies, and you could have easily you know gone down a road of addiction to compensate for that. I did for
1: a little while. That is
0: actually true. I didn't know him then.
1: (laughs) I would, anybody that knows me from college knows, like, I used alcohol multiple times daily. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was literally, I mean, I would go to class sometimes drunk. I would go to class, I would leave class sometimes and drink and go back to class. Mm -hmm. Like, and I didn't have the knowledge then on, you know, neurochemistry and everything. But it was, looking back, I was like, oh my God, like, it was complete, complete dopamine deficiency to the max and i was and we
0: think that i think that like when we drink we think that we're um you know escaping or like blocking something out but i was
1: i was doing it to avoid the pain you know because i had low level anger inside of me i was you know i was but what
0: we're really doing is we're really we're we're almost short-term correcting yep an issue. We're correcting a neurotransmitter imbalance. So all the reasons why we say that we have the vice, oh, because I'm stressed or oh, because life is hard or like, yes, all those things are valid. And they're obviously not making you a healthier person. But if you actually look at your brain chemistry, which nobody is doing, no neurologist is running neurotransmitter testing. And if you look at that, and you see your levels, It's black and white. This is the the root, this is the reason. And if you're able to balance that through non-linear modalities, which what I mean by that is if you think you're gonna flood the brain with dopamine through a medication and you're gonna be cured, that's not how it works because if it was from trauma, you're not fixing the inflammation with the medication. If you if it's from blood sugar, you're not fixing the blood sugar with your medication. If it's, you know, from just the, you know, the the repetitive stressors in your life, like you're not going to fix the stress in your life and the trauma in your life by taking the medication. You don't fix any of those things through this linear approach.
1: Mm-mm. And and the sad part is it's like you know, you get to that state where you have any stress and you just can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then that's when
0: the lack of motivation kicks in and the, the isolation, but
1: like even going to it. Cause you know, I wasn't, I don't know. I guess you could call it. I was suicidal. Uh, cause I had some thoughts of it. I didn't think I was ever going to take action of it, but there's a good period of time when looking back all my neurotransmitters, but especially dopamine was so low that yeah, I had thoughts that this would be easier um, and it's like taking on when any problem in the world is just too much to bear. But there's no problem. Like every single stress that comes to us is just a feedback mechanism and allowing us to see what's unbalanced. And mm-hmm. instead of not being able to handle it, it's just unfortunately we're not giving the information to say, mm-hmm. this is actually why this feedback mechanism is being created, and this is what we can do to change it. Yeah. So it just changes that. Uh, responsive and not being over overburdened
0: well and I think it's just these cases are mismanaged they're mismanaged in the sense that we are looking at addiction as being addiction it's just oh this person went down a wrong road in their life and we're not looking at it from a neurological scientific perspective we're not looking at how, what's What success can we get if we actually balance this person's brain out? And most people and most families that are watching their family member deteriorate from addiction have no idea that these types of therapies like neurofeedback, nutrition can help, ketogenic diet can help. They have no idea that brain entrainment devices exist. They have no idea about these approaches. And I see billboards left and right, especially in New Jersey, addiction centers these addiction centers are using pharmacology medicine to help to detox them from their heroin and then they're usually putting them on other antidepressants and then other types of medications to palliate their symptoms and then they're shipping them off on their way and we're not actually even understanding what's wrong with their brain right so it's a very frustrating system and I personally feel very strongly about it because I have seen many friends that have passed away or are slowly deteriorating from addiction and you know I just want people to know that there is a reason for it there is something that can be done for it but you know at the same time the person does need to get want to get well. Yeah. And I think that's a really important factor is, you know, you can only uh, you know, bring a horse to water but you can't make him drink. So, there's 100% scientific reasons for addiction and if you're someone who is just, you know, trying to get off of cigarettes, or you found that you tried to and you defaulted back to it 10 times, it's start to look beyond that and understand that there is a bigger picture and that there is a lot that can be done to really help you, you know, so you don't feel like a failure because you're not a failure. It really comes down to your brain is completely programmed in a completely different way because of its imbalances.
1: And it's interesting you said programmed because that's a piece that. A lot of people try to deal with uh, is just through therapy and just talking and like trying to break an addiction through talk therapy, and the limbic system part of the brain definitely gets unbalanced. Uh, but really, clinically, what we've I've found, I think what we both found, is that to really break an addiction, you need to work on all the pathways. You 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 can really help the emotional center of the limbic system, how the amygdala processes stress, through actually biochemistry, helping the neurotransmitters to function better, taking a lot of that stress off so that emotionally, it's just, you know, everything's working better, but there tends to be an emotional component that kind of, not for everybody, but for some people that did kind of start this process of being an addict. And, uh, and like I said, it's like a lot of times that drink started or that cigarette came when they were stressed, and then they did that over and over, and that created an imbalance biochemically. So then yep. you can do things biochemically to go back and reset those patterns, but then you have to go back and still fix the imbalanced perception of that stress. Otherwise, that program is still running emotionally the through, habit. The, yep, the, through habit. the limbic system. Mm-hmm. So you really have to somewhere in the process, depending on when it's most beneficial for mm-hmm. the person, to go through and balance out those imbalanced perceptions that was creating that habit
0: yeah habit change is probably the hardest thing for people and it's partly you know reprogramming the brain but also being able to reprogram with very specific strategic tools that work and that's really your specialty in the practice is being able to use different modalities that help with that reprogramming and redefining, you know, what fulfills us and also redefining what our habits are. Right. So so when it comes to you know addiction, like obviously dopamine is a huge part of the puzzle, but there are other layers to it. There there's habit, there's how are we dealing with stress, there's you know blood sugar handling, there's brain trauma. So this is not for you guys to have to navigate through this on your own. This is for you to be able to have, you know, professionals that have worked with this clinically that will walk you through this path, do the right testing, decipher, you know, is it just dopamine? Is there other pieces of the puzzle so that you can then be put on a path to actually recover and be well? And, you know, this is obviously can be as minor as, you know, I just want to, you know, stop having my nightly wine or as severe as, you know, I've uh, gone back and forth with doing heroin. So it really comes down to there's obviously going to be levels of severity and, you know, more intense treatment for someone who's more severe. But there's a foundation, a foundational problem that exists that needs to be looked at in the event that there is addiction.
1: And the best part is is that there's there's a cause for every effect and yeah. with that mean you can help every cause you exactly. can help every effect awesome love it
0: well thank you all for being here we hope this was extremely extremely enlightening and for those of you that want to understand a little bit more about our brain program check us out integrativewellnessgroup.com dr nick and i run it together um, because we're both bringing different expertise to the table so it's really fun for us to work together with these clients But um, you can also sign up for a strategy call to learn a little bit more about our process and our testing at integrativewellnessgroup.com. We have links everywhere to set up those strategy calls with our client services team. So thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time.